back, man. I'm coming for that number one spot. All right. Rappers swearing they on top. All right, welcome. We we're in the year 1995. We're back after a slight, what would we call it, a slight recess. I don't know if it's yeah, a, took a little break. My fault. Uh, Will decided to become a bourbon expert and live in a cabin, right? Yeah, Bourbon Trail, Kentucky. Bourbon Trail, Kentucky. But we had to pick it up for, I think, one of my favorite years for music, but. Before we do that, should we introduce our guests? So, Evan, uh, welcome to the podcast. You're you're our first, as I understand it, our first uh, music, like actual, like music musician guest. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, performing artist, musician, whatever, whatever works. You can get your band plug in now, because who knows how many <laughs> people know, will be listening the, by the end of the episode. Let's do the you plugs, wanna, you know. Like, yeah, you might want to yeah. say that. All right. All right. I'll, I'll keep it short. But uh, yeah, so I'm um, the lead singer, guitarist and expert lovers and also uh, bass player and tucked in. So two two, uh, two bands with with very sexy names, obviously. What, what <laughs> you're playing bass? Is this your first band playing bass? Yeah, actually, we uh, I met them through Craigslist like two years ago. It was like a total fluke, but uh, they were already plugged into like the New York scene. So, yeah, I've been playing live throughout New York for like, you know, for like two years. And then I moved to L.A. about six months ago. So I'm trying trying hard to pursue music full time eventually. So what what kind of like what kind of music is it? Is so I think, yeah, it's like alternative. It's like uh, indie with angst. I guess that's how I describe it. You know, it's got elements of like a lot of Brit pop, like two door cinema club block party. Um, but also like the killers, it's got some pop sensibility, like the 1975 hippocampus. There's a lot of indie pop indie yeah, yeah. mixed in together. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, yeah. Like indie kind of early two thousands, like indie pop. Yeah. And, and a little bit of, you know, some modern stuff thrown in, but pretty much mostly like, for whatever reason, like mostly British influences, okay. uh, which would, I, yeah. yeah. Would you say, I mean, I know a question we usually ask is like, you know, what are your kind of musical interests or preferences? Like, would you say that that's kind of an area that, you know, if, if I were asking you like your favorite bands, your favorite artists, like, does that kind of fit in with that? Or is it kind of, you know, more variety? Yeah, no, I think in terms of like my top, music interests for some reason it falls in the 80s primarily like if i'm thinking like all time like where i gravitate it's a lot of uh like alternative 80s music so like the replacements yeah. if we're thinking like punk rock like some of the early punk guys uh xtc like one of the, yeah, one of the eccentric yeah. bands from england like prefab sprout a really eccentric band like uh but then like peter gabriel i love i listen to him like every day sure. um you know oasis even like i just love like big uh really yeah. literally british i mean like i mean yeah. well i guess i mean their placements aren't british but what you're first of all what you're describing is very exciting for me to hear because i think our interest our taste may be slightly aligned like definitely for me it's you know 80s and 90s alternative i mean like my rem's my favorite band and i mean mm. i love the replacements i love 
yeah uh, they're uh, from my hometown there's they're sort of like my hometown uh, hero so like any like minnesota artist i i like follow oh you're from minnesota okay like prince was a huge obviously uh was was huge but yeah i think like even like the cure i would put in my top maybe like five bands i I definitely have like that sort of you know interest in like goth or just big beats like some kind of weird like combo of like groove and and dark what about like what about like new order or is that they're like almost too static for me like i like nine inch nails for example like but only when i'm like working out if i'm like lifting weights which i don't hasn't happened in like a year and a half but like i remember when i had a gym playlist it was like nine inch nails like a lot of maybe yeah. some order to deftones but like joy division cuz i i'm trying to like yeah like is joy division kind of more cuz that's more like gothy and yeah i think like you know that. it would have been it, it would have been cool. ideal if they had had like more albums but i think you know based on like the first debut it was like obviously like you know game changing but uh okay yeah I feel like I, I could talk about this stuff all day, but I, oh yeah, same, same. type these types of music that I could talk about all day, uh, like eighties and you know. It's exciting too because you can't I'll, figure I'll out, like you can't guess. You can't just look at someone and be like, "Oh, you like this music." It's like always surprising, you know. Yeah, totally. So yeah, but that's that's basically me in a nutshell. Um, but uh, yeah, well, well, Evan and I, Evan and I bonded. Uh, soon after he joined the fraternity because he was an eve six fan and oh, there yeah. aren't okay. there aren't many others of those in the world <laughs> these days so he actually well, you're the one who pointed me to their twitter like a couple months ago yeah they've time. had a big a big revival on twitter it's all of a sudden he's exploding as a social media influencer just from all his uh yeah it's somewhat subversive uh tweets uh telling back uh back the current stories from his shows in the 90s about other other similar bands and yeah. controversial socialism takes on twitter he's really had a major yeah. so is, he, is he like legitimately because i i've heard the story of like him talking about like other bands from that era is, is he like legitimately like popular this like still I mean, like or is it you know it definitely I mean? like, it was a kind of a it was a fad for a hot second, but he's still, I don't, he's maintained a lot of followers, it seems to me. I don't, I'm not plugging him enough on Twitter to know like what's the high number, but I mean, he's getting lots of engagement and he's, he does a lot of funny posts. It's been fun to follow. Yeah. 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 I would say they're, they're obviously like not relevant, like culturally at this point, but I just love their music from, it's because it came out at like prime nostalgia for me. Like it's like prime nostalgia, like late nineties, like 2000. And I just remember like when those albums came out, like I can remember like the skateboard I had and like, you know, the girl I had a crush on in like fourth grade, like it, it was all like kind of sure. lined up. So yeah. yeah, that fifth grade is like prime they, nostalgia. They when I think back on like when I listen to as a kid, I always gravitate towards like 2000, 2001. Yeah. Did they have a weird like robot on their album cover? Or am I thinking? Um, they, I think I, twice I, might have. Like yeah, weird, I think like you're right. Cool robot was that an album cover? They had the anime cover was the second one, which was my yeah, favorite. like an anime thing. The first one was the fly, and then think twice is the one nobody knows. I think there might have been some sort of. I, I I can I can I know the song. I don't know why I googled. I, oh, I, it's all in your head is the name of the album. I was thinking the least. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a topless. It, it might be a robot. It's hard to describe, but it's all in your head is the album. I, I, I don't know if I've, I probably done this before, Will, but like my perception of Eve, Eve Six has always been like that. They're one of those few bands where I think a lot of like the general public might consider them like a one-hit wonder, but like they arguably have two, like what two songs that like 
like some people might say that like you know upside down what is it no inside no, out inside out <laughs> <laughs> That like Inside Out was the one hit, and then others. What was the other one? The ballad. Here's to the night. Night is the one hit, and yeah. you know what I mean. Like, I mean, I remember an early. There are two him wonder. I, I remember like early days of shopping on Amazon, like when albums were still kind of new. There, when they had um, there are two separate one hit wonder CDs I found, like a collection of one hit wonders, yeah. uh, and they were on two CDs with two different songs. And I always thought like. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. how can they be one hit wonder? I would always defend them with that point because I was mad at people calling them one hit wonders. Like, no, oh, they're two hit wonders. But I mean, they're... also the depth of their songs, uh, you know, of like good songs, it, it goes pretty far. Like, I think the first two albums, like, you know, there's a lot of deep cuts that I think, like, you know, still play well today when I listen back. You know, and I think, I think another band that was in a similar had a similar fate or whatever perception maybe was Third Eye Blind. Like they had a couple singles like on two albums and then like they kind of like they disappeared from the eye of the public, but they still had a dedicated fan base. But if you listen to that band too, like their first, you know, two records is like full of really solid, catchy songs that even if they came out today would do well. But, you know, for whatever reason, they, I don't know if it was because of their A&R guy quit the label or something, but they never got the support to kind of sustain that success, but they're still around, you know, I kind of think the, there's a lot of bands like that. It's interesting, like, I don't know, I, I, I think all of us, all three of us have this, I mean, you guys with these six and maybe other bands, and, like, there are certain bands that are known, like, primarily, like, to the general public, maybe for, like, one thing, or maybe would be considered, like, a one-hit wonder, but then you know, you kind of go deep and you're like, wow, there's a lot more going on here. And it's kind of like a cool, like, you know, a cool, like, feeling when you're like, wow, there's so much more to this than this one hit. So you kind of feel like, you know, you're you're learning something or whatever. Like, I know that, like, like one of my favorite, like, bands of that era, and, you know, not something I necessarily grew up on, but kind of went back and discovered is, is Blur. Uh, mm-hmm. And, like, you know, everyone knows, like, I guess in the United States, it's, you know, song two is the only thing that people generally know. And then they're huge and, you know, in, in Britain and have been huge, but it's like, you know, it, it's kind of cool to see kind of what made them big and you're like, wow, they've done a lot of really great music and a lot of varied music. And mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I kind of feel like that with a lot of like, actually, I mean, maybe you guys feel the same, like a lot of British music that isn't necessarily big in the United States, but like, it's like, why is it so big in Britain? And it's kind I mean, of Blur is great. Like, you know, What's the Story Morning Glory came out that year and the Benz yeah. came out that year, but like none of that stuff is falling into like the top 100. Right. I mean, and rock music in general, like the guitar isn't even really a feature in the top 100 from what I listened to, but. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that yeah, fans are huge, you know, and the whole rivalry between Blur and Oasis, like I wasn't aware of it until like a year ago when I like actually dug into it. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, I know we've talked a little bit about like how some of the things that we consider, you know, to be, you know, the defining stuff of these years isn't, I think that's definitely a takeaway, at least for myself, like of doing this is like, you know, 1994, you know, for me, it's like, if it's someone to say like, what was it, you know, greatest music of 1994? It's like, okay, you have like, there's a bunch of, you know, classic hip hop albums that came out, you know, there's, you know, great kind of rocks, you know, Beck and Weezer and stuff, you know, alternative stuff. And it's like, none of that is near the, you know, the top. So it's like, okay, then what were people, I mean, you know, people were listening to those bands too, but it's like, 
well, like what was actually on the radio? Because sometimes it's not what you think it is. So it's, well, it's well, well my favorite band is actually the Smashing Pumpkins. And I know that they came out with Melancholy that year in 95. Mm-hmm. And I remember them playing like Tonight Tonight at the VMAs or something in 96. And I, you know, it went like, I don't know how many platinums it got, yeah. but it went like very, it got it was huge double album. But uh, yeah, I, I wasn't sure. I just kind of expected to see it for some reason. I thought like maybe like 1979 would be on top, but but I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just like not aware of how they calculate the top hits, but it, it just wasn't. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it, yeah, it is kind of interesting how like, I, I know what you're talking about with them being on the VMAs. Like I, I, I think I know the performance you're talking about. And it's like, these were still like really big bands, you know, that we're talking about here. It's like Oasis was huge, even in the U.S. I mean, to a degree, like Smashing Pumpkins were huge. Uh, you know, Third Eye Blind when they came out were, you know, pretty big. Like, but yeah, it's weird how like s- sometimes that you know you don't see them in these charts. I will say that nineteen. I I looked a little ahead to nineteen ninety six, and there is a Smashing Pumpkins song on there. Nineteen seventy nine is on there, but. And that kind of surprised me. I was like not expecting it, but because uh, of the fact that some of these stuff don't come on the list ever. But yeah, it, it's it's kind of interesting to figure out like why some songs do make it and some don't. But I guess that's a good transition to 95. So what, I mean, the way we usually kind of start, this is like, what were your like overall impressions from, you know, listening to the top, song to the year like in terms of you know did you kind of notice any patterns or you know did you think that it was stronger than you thought it'd be or weaker or you know just kind of overall thoughts before we get specifically into the top songs so i think i i, I was listening through it today the whole list and uh i think if i could summarize 1995 the, the there was like a weirdness to it and i think it's because 95 was post cobain and pre-Max Martin. So, so to me, what was going on was grunge, like, you know, for all intents and purposes, was was dying by then. Alternative rock was, like, not at the top of the uh, of the heap anymore. But you didn't have Backstreet Boys yet. Like their de- debut album was 96. Britney Spears was 99. And, like, people like Max Martin, like, rose up through, like, Britney Spears. And, like, that spawned, like, the pop that we know today. But I didn't really hear a lot of that in 95. Like a lot of the modern elements of pop just weren't there. And I was joking with my friend that it almost felt like there were like four produce, like four producers, like just trying to figure it out quickly and just like work with whatever keyboards they had and just like write a bunch of hits. And they all sound like very similar with like the swing beats, uh, like very kind of similar, like ambiance and style and a lot of ballads too. And like a lot of the music on that list, I don't necessarily hear at clubs or at bars like uh in like you know in this era and again i think it's because we just like hadn't hit the point where like pro tools was was available for every studio like we hadn't reached that next leap in technology to like make the music sound like super modern but we also didn't have like the swedish people like you know basically like the songwriters from sweden like really like taking over american music so it, it was like a really awkward year and it kind of felt like a hangover from the early 90s but that's my thing yeah i think that's really interesting way to look at it i think you're definitely right i think connecting into what we've been listening to in, in previous episodes um one trend i'm seeing is that i mean that that r&b is still there is still very well represented on the charts but each year we started talking about it the last couple of years but especially this year i think you're seeing more and more 
uh, kind of hip hop elements uh, come into those sorts of songs, those those kind of slow jam type songs. And I think there is a little bit of the the modern pop stuff coming in. Uh, we'll talk about it. like Mariah Carey's fantasy is is much more popular than like what I would think of as modern day popular uh, than any of the earlier stuff we listened to by her. Um, I think there. That being said, I I, I don't know the, the kind of Swedish pop sound that that makes reference to is interesting because it was it seemed to be I thought it was coming when we heard like Ace of Base the last couple of years and those kind of feel like more modern pop sounds when we hear them now. But then it didn't seem to spark any trends in this year's Top 100. That that kind of through line doesn't seem to continue in this year as much. David, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think you're both making good points and I agree. It's it's uh, it, it definitely still feels like a transition of some sorts. I mean, I'll say, I mean, I'll say right off the bat that the top songs of this year just in terms of like preferences and, and what I enjoy is like, you know, way ahead of the previous years. Like I really like this year. I don't know why there's a lot of stuff that I like that's going on, but it, it is still like a transition in terms of like, yeah, I think some of the ballady stuff, I mean, there is ballads, but it's kind of, you definitely hear more and more integration of like hip hop influences and styles. Um, you know, you know, I think particularly with a lot of, uh, you know, artists who are maybe more R&B or even pop before. So there's kind of an interesting, like, fusion going on. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting year, but I think there's also a lot of great music. But um, yeah, so let's let's get to it. So starting with the first song. So I think this was, yeah, this 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 ended the last year, right, Will? Yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah. So January 7th. To January 21st, so three weeks at number one, we have On Bended Knee by Boys to Men. Let's hear a snippet. If you come back to me, I'll guarantee that I'll never let you go. Can we go back to the days that I Can you of the course so we talked a little about this last episode but i'll just kind of start i we've heard a lot of boys and men like a i don't know maybe more than any other artist at this point i think it's definitely if it's not boys and men it's mariah but i think it's yeah. boys and, men. and it's funny how this year ends on that note too but um there's a lot of boys and men. like i I've always just said, like, I get it. Like, I completely get why they're constantly at the top. You know, their songs are very well made and, you know, they're... I don't get it. <laughs> and, harmonized. and this is an example of a song that I, I, I actually like the song more than the other, like, songs from them that we've heard. Um, and I kind of had a hard time defining it last time. I will say there's, like, you know those songs where there's, like, a tiny little snippet that you like a lot? This is the example of that, like, that, that, that the last, like, 10 seconds we heard in that clip, I like, there's, like, a certain part of the chorus that I like. I don't know why, but I like it. But otherwise, it's, you know, kind of a continuation. 
I don't know. I don't mean to bash voice the men. It's just like I RB is not my song. I don't need to repeat myself too much, but I don't know. I just never can get into the voice of men songs early. Like, I don't know, maybe if I'm really in the mood for something slow, RB, soulful, I could like I like it sometimes when they have the acapella type elements going on and the cool harmonies, but just not my type of music. Yeah, I was gonna just to chime in, like I feel like they were just omnipresent in the in like the early nineties like that, but uh there's just something a little bit too um it's like very again, it's very produced, but in the wrong ways for me at least. Like it feels like it's uh I don't know. I don't know if it lacks authenticity necessarily, but there is to me something about it that feels too um yeah, just too done up and and, and too prepared. Um, especially from the, the perspective of like today, right? Like with a lot of pop music being very stripped down and like, you know, bedroom pop kind of style. Like this is very just like out there, you know, like it's just huge production. Like I only, I mean, not to compare them to Celine Dion, but I just think of like big ballad type of songs. Like they don't, totally. it doesn't hit for me at least that, that, that general style. And David, when I was saying I don't get them, I wasn't just being facetious. I like, I can get that R&B was very big and I, I, for me, I just don't get what stands them out so much from the other acts. Like they're just huge. They're every year they've had three or four songs on the top hundred and we've heard other, you know, R&B groups that to me sound solid, sound good, similar, similarly good voices and great harmonies. But I, I don't get what makes Boyz II Men such a like a uh, standout crossover. Yeah. Head and shoulders above everyone else, at least in terms of representation on the charts. I, I may be wrong this may be one of the last years, if not the last year that they come on these top, like number one, like I, I, I'm sure they're probably like top a hundred for the year, maybe in other years, but like, I think this might be the last year that they have number ones. I might be wrong about that, but I think it's interesting because they are so ballady. I think their first song, which we didn't hear, like, but I, I know of is kind of more hip hop based. And then they got, you know, kind of more focused on ballads. And it's kind of interesting because I think that's, like this might be the last year at number one, you know, kind of the peak of their fame. And then I, but I, I think it makes sense in a way because R&B in some ways is getting more intertwined with hip hop. Like there's, you know, a few songs, including the next song on this list that kind of embody that, I think. Um, and, you know, they didn't really do that. Like that wasn't necessarily their thing. So it, it's kind of interesting, like to think about, yeah, like why are they so big and why, do we might you know why are they maybe not quite as memorable to some of us as some of the other stuff so it's interesting um okay uh january 28th to february 18th four weeks on the chart this is their first number one single it's tlc with creep TLC's first song and number one. Definitely not their last. Thoughts on Creep? I love TLC. I just, they're they're always good. Uh, This song is one I, 
I say I love TLC, but by that I just mean I've always liked the singles that I know well. Uh, and this is one I knew less well, actually, than uh, I, I guess I really got into them on their, their next album when I was old enough to be, you know, listening to radio and stuff with uh, no scrubs and yeah. whatever else. But from this album, Waterfalls, that we'll talk about, and it's a great song. And then this one I also enjoyed more than I expected, not knowing much about it. I mean, I'm sure, I, sure I've heard it, but I was less familiar with it. It's just fun, kind of, they got this big booming, oh no, I look at my wrong nose. I mean, it's just a good groove that there's like trumpet. It's like kind of a repetitive backing track, but it, it works because it's just, you know, it, it, it just nice kind of, it's a little funky and a lot of hip hop influence and uh, TLC is always fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say this, I mean, the same thing, like Waterfalls, I was much more familiar with. And I will say like when I heard Creep, I kind of, I kept wanting to hear Waterfalls over that beat. You know, I think as, as great, I think there is, uh, they tapped into something great, you know, and the only downside to that is there can be a little bit of evidence of a, there's evidence of a formula, I would say. That's the only downside, I, you know, but apart from that, I think the songs are, you know, timeless. Like, you know, again, like when I hear Waterfalls today, like the refrain is, you know, very memorable. But anyways, going back to Creep, like I, I would say, as far as this album goes, because it was so strong, I wouldn't say it was like, it was probably the weaker single, but it still stands out. Like their general ambiance, the sonic palette that they're using, the fact that it's, you know, stacked harmonies, which again, I think is a very 1995 thing. There's just so much harmony, so many stacked harmonies and, and so many kind of like duos or three pieces, um, you know, but uh, yeah. This is why we have, Evan can talk about like, music like real music you know stacked harmonies and it's got the vocab and and like not sound <laughs> not sound like he's full of shit like we do when we talk about this no, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm just using a few buzzwords i know um, <laughs> um yeah no i i really like this i i i this is one of my i mean yeah tlc i know the hits i you know really enjoy the hits i would be interested in kind of going a little deeper because i this album is like, I feel like a really well, I mean, it, it was huge. I know that. Um, but you see it sometimes like the, the album Crazy Sexy Cool, like in like, I think like Rolling Stone would have it in its top 500 and like, you know, yeah. And, and it's sometimes interesting, like, is that more of a like, you know, just because these songs were so huge and it was such, such a defining album of its time, or is it like, you know, actually, like, you know, front to back, you know, great. Um, so I, anyway, but yeah, I, I, I love the song. I, I, and this is kind of what I'm talking about with like the R&B fusion with hip hop that I really enjoy, um, you know, in terms of the beats and, you know, I like, I like how a lot of songs in this time were using like, you know, horns and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it, it makes it fun. And this is, a, I, I, I love the song. I'll, I, I'll never turn it off if it comes on the radio. Yeah, you bring up a good point about like album front of back. Like these are the types of songs that I've been meaning to like use as an introduction. I should actually listen to the whole album. There's so many pop and hip hop acts from this era that I know the singles that I've never actually listened to the full album. So I keep telling myself to do that and I need to actually do that, especially this seems like a good album to do that with. Yeah, and, and I think too, like I think it actually like critics. I think I'll say critics, I won't say fans, because you know, fan bases are always gonna be huge, but like 
I feel like critics now are a little bit more like willing to say that like a pop album is great, you know? Um, and I think a lot of like, I'll just speak for myself, like, you know, music nerds like myself were kind of like, you know, conditioned to think that like, oh, like you can't, you know, pop album, like that's not, you know, you can't have great pop albums because pop artists are only making hit singles. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily true. Like, and now I can think of, you know, when I go back and, you know, listen to like, you know, there's certain Madonna albums I love. There's, you know, Robin albums. There's, you know, there's plenty of pop albums that I, as, as albums, I think are really, really great. And it's like, well, you know, it is kind of worth it sometimes to like go back and listen to the albums because, you know, sometimes, sometimes they're not as great. Sometimes they're really great. It's just, you know, but I think as a genre, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting relationship with like album. Um, and I think this is definitely an example because there are, you know, two or three huge hits and then, you know, you know, the rest of it, people might not be familiar with. I also feel like I'm hearing in, throughout the playlist, like I'm hearing kind of where, or I'm seeing where the labels like money is going, like, where is the budget going? Yeah. Because like the way it happened in the nineties was like, basically like, labels would just take place bets on every artist that resembled like you know um there'd be like one artist that's like a cash cow that's bringing in like all the revenue and then there would be like these other artists that kind of look and sound like the main you know uh the main artist and the idea was obviously just like at least hopefully at least one or two of the other ones pops but i'm kind of hearing that in this list because there's um there's the standouts like tlc but then i also feel like i hear like uh, artists that very, very much want to be TLC or, you know, whatever was popular maybe the year before. Um, and, and I think that's where I keep coming back to like, there's a lot of ballads, there's a lot of swing beats, a lot of drum machines, not a lot of live drums. A lot of the same sonic elements are being used in, in these hits. And uh, obviously a lot of the art, other artists like didn't have longevity, but for, for the label, it's like, whatever, you know, we got TLC. Yeah. It's, it's worth it to you talk about labels. It's worth it. I won't go into the details because I can't really speak to it that well, but there's, I, I read some stuff on TLC and they were completely screwed by their labels, which is surprising because they were so big. But anyway, just kind of an interesting little anecdote. Yeah. I mean, a ton uh, of huge artists were screwed. Yeah. I mean, I think that was, yeah, just <laughs> abusive labels, essentially. Um, February 25th. So all these ones are really big because they're all on the, this, I, I kind of, even for the artists, I couldn't believe how long this song was on the chart. February 25th through April 8th. So what's that? Seven weeks straight. And number one uh, is Madonna, Take a Bow. I don't have I don't have a lot to say, so I'll get out of the way. I mean, I, it's fine, it's solid, but I don't know. I think it's kind of boring. I do like how it's got this kind of slow, uh, like low key verse, and then a, a big booming chorus. But I don't know. It's not my favorite Madonna song. Um, I, I did it. It was interesting that it was written and produced by Babyface with Madonna because I just one thing I've noticed that I don't think we've talked about is Babyface is everywhere, everywhere. these years. 
he's doing his own stuff. He's writing for boys to men. He's writing for, you know, huge acts like Madonna. He's just seems very prolific and it's not something I'd realized before this project. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, I, like the song i i i I, it's not like my favorite madonna song it's not my favorite from the year necessarily but i i think this is one of her better like ballads i i agree like it's i i can totally understand like kind of just you know not thinking too much of the song because it is kind of a little slow and like there's not a huge like you know it doesn't have like a huge booming chorus or anything like that I, i i think it's a really pretty song though and yeah like when you see baby, you know, I think it makes sense that yeah, if you see the baby baby face produced and you see the other stuff he's producing, there's there's an interesting kind of line there, and then you can kind of hear sound that's prominent in all of it. So, um, yeah, that's a good thing to bring up that influence. So I, I like the song; it's not my favorite Madonna song, but I, I've always you know I've, I've learned to like the song a lot. Yeah, I mean. I, I don't really have any unique takes on this song. I, I would just say it, it sounds like the, uh, it's probably not my favorite era of Madonna. Um, it sounds like she's kind of molding. I, I'm not actually that familiar with this album, but it sounds like she's molding her sound a little bit to the era. And I know there's bands like U2 that did that as well. Um, the mid nineties was a very strange transition year. I think for a lot of artists that got that peaked in the eighties, you know? Well, the, those two artists. do you, do you have like a favorite like Madonna era or, you know, songs that, you connect you know like more i mean honestly i think just like the comeback she made you know later in her career was 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 pretty great um hung up yeah i was actually i was trying to search for the name of that song but i thought hung up was like a good yeah yeah, really solid comeback and uh kind of in that same sound of like robin yeah no that's a great song i wonder if it makes on the time i don't think it's gonna be number one but no that's yeah that's a great song um april 15th to may 27th again this is another what seven weeks am i counting yeah april 15th i I usually look at like events that are happening at this point and trying to you know put myself in the place of hearing these songs there's a lot of sad things happening at this time so i won't even mention them uh oklahoma Oklahoma city bombing etc so it's not worth mentioning um Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. Let's hear. This is how we do it on beat i love this song so much i i i think i feel like everyone knows this song i think from our like people around our age like everyone knows the song i i'm curious i would be curious to see if like it's one of those songs that has gone to other generations like younger people probably not but you know it's one of those songs that like you hear air from my perception like I feel like you hear everywhere it's like so well known but sometimes you can like be dismissive of songs like that like oh you know you just hear it everywhere and so 
popular and everyone knows it but like going back and listening to it, i'm like oh yeah this like i know why this is big and you know this again like i feel like this is a perfect example of you know r&b influenced by hip-hop in like the best ways you know the way he's singing his phrasing and just the beat and you know even even the lyrics there's a lot of kind of like hip-hop references that i love that you know a lot of you know yeah i, I love the song yeah i mean from a from a musical standpoint i mean it's it's very creative like the delivery i think the delivery is so on point with that beat um you know and also like even the hook like the the notes that they're picking on that scale are like are pretty uh you know uh, very different like the the way that 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 hook kind of reads it's very like almost kind of like minor um like minor key but i i think uh you know, for me, this was like the first song that I remember like really being attached to on the radio. Like, I think this, it, it was probably like replaying in 96. It was probably not 95 when I was like really hearing it. But, you know, I, I remember distinctly like being on the playground and in my like elementary school, like, you know, like just with having that song in my head, like to such an extent, like I couldn't wait until my parents picked me up so I could like listen to the song again on the radio. Like, yeah, that was that. This was the first song I actually, I think I like legitimately was attached to. It's a fun song. It's like, you know, yeah, it's hard to deny. You're, you're on mute. Come on. Come on. Well, I <laughs> know uh, I don't have much to add. You guys nailed it. But this, yeah, this is a really good song. Uh, when we were in Kentucky without internet and where, you know, a lot of the hiking trails are very spread out, it was, it was the most. Uh, radio that I've listened to in a long time and this song came on like whatever pop station we had set in Kentucky so wow. you know I, I don't know if the kids know it like you're asking about but it, you know stations that do pop music at least in this one anecdotal example I feel like if this song came on at like a wedding or a club it, like this this is going to get people dancing yeah. like if you ever need something when maybe the dance floor is a little slow it's just a great song I wish I, I kind of wish that Return of the Mac had come out this year too, because I kind of mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that was the, the I think that came out '96, but that was like the next one that kind of like almost one upped it in my opinion. But I, I think this was like uh, very very much in that same vein of like it's just an instant like party jam. Right, New Jack Swing, the genre that is so prominent in every year. I feel like it's worth acknowledging. I don't know if either of you know that the the song uh children's story by slick rick it's like a famous older hip-hop song i think from the late 80s but that 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 beat the like you know kind of that undernight like it's straight from that song and again you know something that i did not know until you know within the last year or two kind of after you know rediscovering the children's story song you know it's it's cool to I mean, I think that's the fun thing about a lot of, you know, hip hop music is just kind of seeing the samples and kind of how things move from one to the other. And, but yeah, it's a. Are either of you familiar much with Montel Jordan? I, in my head, some reason, I think he's very R&B and this is one of his most hip hop songs, but I'm not sure if I'm basing that off anything because I don't, I can't think of any examples of other songs right now. I can name two songs by him. Um, this one and get it on tonight which i think was on like now four or now three which is definitely and a, and a really good song uh that i hope makes it on future lists um 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's, you know, regarded. As, I think he's regarded as like a R&B artist, but I think, again, like an R&B artist that is also clearly influenced by hip hop, like, you know, again, closer to, say, you know, uh, you know, in, in a way, you know, in ways like closer to like Biggie Smalls and like Boys to Men, you know, like just clearly, you know, indebted to hip hop as much as R&B. But that, that's that's my knowledge. He was on De- he was on Def Jam. That, 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 now that I'm looking him up. So again, you know, a, a hip hop centric label. Oh, didn't I see this was like the first Def Jam number one, or am I mistaking it with something else from it this year or last? I remember reading that about one of the songs you listened to. I'm not sure. So we're, we're so so far again a lot of hip hop and Madonna, and then we bring it to uh, Brian Adams. <laughs> this is from the Don Juan DeMarco soundtrack. I don't know if anyone have have any of you heard of this movie Don Juan no. DeMarco? Because I had not. No, not even close. <laughs> the romantic comedy drama film with Johnny Depp as Don Juan. It's got Marlon Brando and Faye Dunaway. It's weird. Huh. And there's a lot of soundtrack music, but it's just one of it. Yeah. Brian Adams. Rogahonic's one too. Yeah. Brian Adams, have you ever really loved a woman? cut off that beautiful Spanish guitar but this is what I think our third Brian Adams song I haven't liked any of them when I saw this on the list I was like uh more Brian Adams like no thanks I do let's kill I do think the Spanish classical-ish guitar kind of works really well and is cool I like that but then the vocals and the lyrics are just cheesy and not good I think yeah yeah, it, it's comforting to see like live instrumentation in one of these songs, uh, you know, but I think the way it's done up, it's uh, yeah, the same. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's like, I just kind of roll my eyes, honestly, at, the, at this one. Um, doesn't doesn't resonate with me. It's it's a, again, it's there's some songs in this year and in just in this era in general, when the uh, the delivery of music of the song was so dramatized that in from the modern perspective it doesn't feel authentic and i would put i would put this song in that category of it it's like yeah i don't know i'm 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 like not sure what the adjective is i'm still trying to search for it but it's just very very rings like very inauthentic to me you mean some some canadian white dude playing like spanish guitar is not authentic (laughs) yeah exactly like a couple uh organic yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think the word is maybe contrived. Like, there's something very contrived yeah, about, right, about right. some of these some of these songs. Whereas, like, this is how we do it is just pure fun. It doesn't feel like it's it's trying. It doesn't feel like it's trying too hard. This song is 
this song is trying way too hard yeah yeah it's it's i again like i think a, a constant question i think about when i'm going through these lists is like why are certain songs still popular and well remembered and like you know prominent you know this is how we do is still played on some pop station in kentucky somehow i don't think the song would be played uh maybe i don't know uh and it's like you know why why is like you know the montel jordan song or tlc music like more still around and relevant and like i've never heard the song before um and like how did this knock off this is how we do it from the number one spot because <laughs> everyone like, was tired of having fun and partying and they wanted some like sexy romantic latin guitar um i i i don't know i mean i i think with like maybe the movie was this could be just an example of like the movie was big i don't let's see the movie made i mean okay it was a budget of 25 million dollars made 69 million dollars so like it was successful not huge that is a 69 percent on ron tomatoes it was considered a hit then okay so like it was a relatively big movie not quite as big according to wikipedia as bad boys or a goofy movie at the time but you know but also it seems like the movie was not nominated for any awards, but this song was nominated for an Oscar, a Grammy, and a Golden Globe for Best Originals. So it's like the song was the, the hit out of the movie. But it lost to Colors in the Wind by, from Pocahontas, appropriately. Um, yeah, it's a weird tangent. <laughs> the charts. But we go right back. We have another TLC song. And this was, how long was this on? Seven weeks again, July. So this is again. We talk about song of the summer. We say song of the summer probably is Waterfalls TLC. for the chorus so we don't get flagged is that your theory on how the algorithms work no it's just <laughs> the algorithm and the, the algorithm is essentially don't play a print song yeah that's what i've learned <laughs> if you play a print song it fucks up everything um i used to always think the song was called jason waterfalls <laughs> like probably until i was like in high school and I, I was also like, who's Jason Waterfall? <laughs> but, I go, Jason. I need some Jasons. Yeah, I mean, this is a great, this is a classic, right? Like from, like we already talked about, I think like it's so well produced. Uh, the hook is really what sells it for me, the chorus. I'm, I, I don't really, when I think about this song, I don't think of as much about like the other pieces of it. Uh, I don't know, like to me, the chorus is really the, the most memorable element, but I think when I'm just listening to it now in the sample, like, again, I think there, it's, it's well produced in the sense that there's a lot of little things happening in the background of the song that just makes it jive so well that like people don't consciously realize like, yeah. you know, they're great singers, but there's a lot of work being done like underneath to kind of like give it like such a great groove that I wouldn't be shocked if there's other ideas like over that, like other melodies that could have worked. I, I just think it's just so well executed. 
I know exactly. I, I I agree completely with everything you're saying. Like, and again, like this is a song that is so, I feel like prominent and around, and it's still played on the radio, and it's still you know relatively huge, and it you know probably is like the most famous TLC song. I think if you were asked, well maybe that or No Scrubs, but uh, yeah, it's so it's so well produced, and and I agree completely. Like I think, I th- I feel like you know this is a song that honestly like any you know, not to slight TLC, but like any artist could do and like make it great. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if Mariah Carey did the song or if uh, 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 I'm trying to think of other artists from this era that could do it, like Michael Jackson did the song, you know, like, you know, if you could make it great. And there are like, yeah, little things that when I go back and listen, I notice like, oh yeah, this is what, like in the chorus, the I think it's like a weirdly compressed horn or something that goes like dun, dun, dun. like it ends on like this minor note during the like there's something about that that I I love like it just kind of like accentuates it and I feel like I'm trying to say music stuff but not well um yeah no, it, it's like a it, it's a great song I I just think it's a such yeah. a well done song and it's super memorable and and socially conscious got nice yeah. messaging. Yeah, I don't have much to add. It's just a great song. Um, I, I do agree with Evan that I, I do think the chorus kind of stands out, which is true for, you know, tons of pop songs. But I think especially this one, I didn't love the verses as much as I kind of expected to when I was when I was going through this. But then the chorus is, is so good that it just kind of carries it. Yeah, song of summer. Uh one week on the chart, August 26, 1995, is Seal with Kiss from a Rose. And I'm very excited to hear people's thoughts. And a drug lasts high enough hill. But did you know that when it snows, my eyes become alive and the light that you shine can't be seen? I really like that song a lot. Um, I mean, I, I think it's just a great song. And obviously I feel like everyone's heard it a million times, but listening to it for this, I felt like there's a lot more depth to the song than I remembered or that I, that I realized, um, especially like there's the, the bridge is, has this thing going on where it's like almost like a round going on where he's coming in at different times and then uh, really cool harmonizing with himself. Uh I, just, I don't it's like syncopated rhythms at times there's just a lot going on in the song that I, I wouldn't have guessed or or realized until I listened to it a little closer yeah I mean I think you know Seal he, he's got pipes uh, obviously like his his uh his voice is amazing uh there's a fair amount of complexity in here for a pop song even for a ballad like you know not it's not in four four time it's uh which I guess is common for ballads to be in like three four but you know, the harmony, the, the key changes, you know, he's like kind of switching up between major and minor a lot. And it's like, but it's like very smooth uh, to the point where it doesn't like, it doesn't sound unnatural. It's like just very uh, like what you're saying, like it felt authentic. And um, 
yeah, I was, I, I, I don't know a lot. I don't like, I'm not a, like a huge uh, seal like follower, but just like based on this song, I would say, you know, I think the success that he had at that time was like well-deserved. So this song has an interesting background. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but well, maybe you did. Yeah, yeah. it's going to bring it up, but you go for it. it so this song, I, without reading straight from Wikipedia, the way it summarizes. So this was released originally in 94 on his album. I don't think it was like a hit or anything. Like it might've been a single, I don't know, but it wasn't a hit. Uh, then this year it becomes a huge hit primarily because it was featured in the Batman Forever film which was huge uh, the one with Val Kilmer and what Jim Carrey right you missed know. one piece which is interesting though which is in between that it was on the, the soundtrack of Never Ending Story 3 and also did not go anywhere because that movie was much less of it than Batman Forever I don't even know Never yeah, I didn't know there's a third one. What that is? <laughs> but you know what the never-ending story is? What's that? Yeah, I mean, never-ending story is a big movie that I never saw. Okay. And then never-ending story three is, I assume, much smaller <laughs> film. But it seems weird to me that it took Batman Forever to become. It just feels like in this time, this would have been an instant hit. But it needed that exposure of Batman to make it's it take worth, off. Yeah, it's worth. Let me see if I can do this. I did this the last time. It's worth sharing a. a still from can you see that is that showing anything not yet no all right forget it i think it's coming no maybe not can you see a black box i just (laughs) (laughs) but anyway it's worth the the music video for this song is super fun like it's you know it's one of those because i guess he remit i mean i don't know if there's originally a music video but he did a music video for the film so it's like a bunch of like you know, video of like seal shirtless, you know, trying to act off sexy in front of a Batman sign, like the Batman, <laughs> the Batman light, you know, or whatever, the projector light. Uh, bat signal. Yeah, thank you for the word. <laughs> uh, bat signal. And it's like that's intertwined with like stills from the movie. And they don't do that with movies anymore. And I wish they did. I probably, <laughs> when it'd be like, music videos where it'd be like Celine Dion on a boat <laughs> or or like or you know uh there's probably other examples I'm not thinking of but you know I'm talking like 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 music videos are intertwined with the movies so yeah. it's super cheesy but I guess the song is too yeah I, I love the song I'm a this is what I would consider like a what I think is considered to be like a uh you know uh what's it called um you know, uh, a guilty pleasure song, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know what, no, it's not a guilty pleasure, it's just a good song. Well, I was wondering that too, because it seems like, I don't know if it's recent or as we were growing up, it seems like Seal became, kind of became a bit of a joke. And I don't know what that's based on. Maybe it's just he embraced, like there were like commercials where he was kind of a punchline, it's like, oh, it's a seal eating this with the seal or something. Oh, it's, it's his name. It's is, a, it, is that it? Is that the only, <laughs> I don't maybe. know. I, I think, I think, I think he is, Look, like he I was like big during a time where I was not conscious of him being, you know, like this is before my time. But I think he, as an artist, he's kind of known as being like very, um, you know, like dramatic with his music. And I think he would always perform like, you know, shirtless and kind of being like a sex symbol and that kind of thing. I don't know. You know, I, I feel like that's how he is portrayed. 
So maybe it's like kind of like, you know, parroting that type of thing. Yeah, I feel like he has this cheesy image, but I feel like this song is much less cheesy than a lot of the R&B ballads we've listened to, at least in my opinion. Because it's got a hook. Yeah. Great big hook. And it's a well-made song. And you should not apologize for liking Seal. <laughs> no, it's a great song. I should listen to more Seal. It's the only song I know of. He's British. Huh. I believe. Um, September 2nd, only one week on the chart at number one. I believe his final number one song ever. Uh, Michael Jackson, You Are Not Alone. Every day I see Quickly, who who wrote this song? It was Michael Jackson. No idea. I don't know. Robert Kelly. Oh, oh I did know that actually. Because <laughs> I remembered it was two problematic artists on the same <laughs> track. And this was this was, you know, after Michael Jackson was accused of, you know, being a pedophile. But a little bit of a comeback for him, I guess. So yeah, I think this is a pretty good song. Um it's the first song in Billboard history to debut at number one, which I thought was pretty surprising and interesting. Um, uh, I feel like the the instrumental is pretty boring, kind of just standard, generic, like drum drum machine, whatever going on. But I think the the you know the vocal part part of the melody is is pretty pretty, uh, and I like it. Solid. Yeah, I, I think. For for me, this again kind of falls in the ballad category, so it's hard for me to separate like you know that that fact from. Uh, it's hard for me to judge it because I feel like I've heard so many ballads in this era, but I, I do think you know um, there there is of course like the vocal the vocal delivery is like pretty good here. Like the refrain is very memorable. Like you know I I don't personally listen to his music, but when I heard this one, I was like okay, you know I, throughout his like sea of hits, like I can remember this one. Um, so, you know, from that vantage point, it's, and it almost has like this, I believe I can fly kind of vibe. And I'm not yeah. sure if that song came out in 95 as well. It might've come around that time, at least maybe a little bit later, yeah. but I wouldn't be shocked if they had like similar songwriters on them. Well, it's the same songwriter. Oh, it is the same songwriter. Yeah. R. Kelly. Cause he, oh, he wrote the song, yeah. Sorry, I misheard, I misheard you when you said yeah. uh, David used the full name and threw out the full name. Ah, okay, okay. But but, but I, that's actually it's funny that you bring that up because I think you're right. Like it it does have a very similar like structure to it, and I think R. Kelly wrote I believe I by like a year because I think Space Jam was might have been ninety five, maybe ninety six, but uh, yeah. That's yeah, to me, to me, if this song is just like a weaker, I would say it's like a weaker version of that one. That's fair. Yeah. It's a good point. It's like R. Kelly saved the better version for himself. Maybe he's, he's not a very good guy. <laughs> yeah, I think at that era, he was still like... Jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he was still trying to rise. He was still trying to get more famous, I guess, at that point. He's still earlier in his career. Yeah. yeah, it's a good I the more I think about it, the more it's like I it's a good song. It's you know, far from my favorite Michael Jackson song. Um it's also a song that I feel like if Celine Dion sang it or if Brian Adams sang it, I'd be like, this song sucks. But there's something about Michael Jackson's voice that I like, you know, that I think a lot of people like. Um that kind of makes the song like rise up a little bit. It's fine. It's pleasant. It's pretty. But yeah. And speaking of music videos, like if if the seal video is awesome and worth seeing, this video is not worth seeing because it's creepy as hell. <laughs> it's like him like with him like naked with uh, Lisa Marie Presley. That's okay. weird. <laughs> yeah, the uh, song title is also not great. Yeah. <laughs> in retrospect, it was <laughs> yeah, in retrospect. <laughs> Um, September 9th to David, you gotta share your sound again. Oh shoot. Did that song come through? Okay. Yeah, it's it's worse, but it's fine. Okay, that's a good point. I forget that. Uh, so again, it feels like that song would have lasted a lot longer in number one, like a new Michael Jackson song that people liked, except for this song following it, which yeah. was the number one of the whole year. Number one of the whole year. Only number one, although for September 9th through the 23rd, so only three weeks. But yeah, number one for the whole year. Coolio Gangsta's Paradise. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of. You better. I should play the choruses when I do preview, but they don't. But that's okay. That's that extra work you're not willing to put in for this podcast. <laughs> Making your own samples. You must Speaking of samples, one of the best samples of all time. Yeah. Uh, Stevie Wonder has produced many great samples, but I think this is my favorite probably. And it's, I think this is just a great song. I think it's just really good. Um, what do I have to say about it? I mean, it's just great. Like the sample's great. The verses are great. The bridge is great. I feel like Coolia's flow feels pretty different than a lot of the rap we've heard at least as part of this podcast so far, like it's more in your face, it's got like the raspy kind of voice going on. It, it just feels a little more aggressive. And then it, it, I don't know, I think it just all works really well. And, and it's, I mean, it's the only really straightforward, like, you know, hip hop song on this list. Probably one of the few like straight up hip hop songs that we've heard in terms of like number ones. I mean, you know, we've heard some like really sh- shitty hip hop too. Like, you know, the, snow and that kind of stuff but yeah definitely stands out um yeah the sample's great uh the interpretation's great the weird owl version is great worth mentioning the weird owl which is it amish paradise yeah amish paradise i'll play i'll play the sample that in a second um yeah no i it's it's you know how you how you said that like seal is kind of seen as a joke i feel like coolio in the same way is kind of seen as a joke because it's like his hair and is it just because of his hair am i i don't know i think i also remember he's had some he's had some legit issues too which is not you know shouldn't be made fun of but like i don't know i I think people think of him as kind of like 
you know, he became a little washed up and this was kind of his, he had a few other hits that weren't quite as big, but, uh, he was involved in like the entertainment industry after, after, right? Like in, in terms of like, was he on like some kind of show at some point? He, he did. He did the theme song for Keenan and Kel. Yeah. There we go. Huh. I yeah. knew, I knew it was like, yeah, it was Which is a great movies. theme song. Yeah. I don't know why, but I got, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying and like with the sampling being well executed, I, I got some like tech nine vibes that, yeah, I don't know if he was out Ooh, at that man. point, but I really, I actually thought this was like a tech nine song when I started hearing, it. I was like, what? Um, but it, but, it, but I think that's a good thing from the perspective of like this era, because it's like a little bit more forward looking. It's kind of like a, uh, like a harder edged version of, of what was coming out at that time. So so I think I definitely appreciated that. I haven't personally listened to the song and like since I heard it on the radio like 20 years ago, but so I'm, I'm not like quite as, not quite as into it maybe, but um, I will say the, again, the sample is, is very solid. Yeah, it's definitely, I, I feel like any hip hop song that becomes number one around this point is a big deal. Probably at the time, I mean, certainly at the time, but I think it's worth acknowledging now. It's like, because, you know, hip-hop is only going to become more and more prominent. But at this time, I feel like it's still, like, yeah, especially this song, which is, you know, catchy as hell, but also, like, dark, you know, and, and kind of, you know, gritty in some ways. Like, it's, you know, a pretty big accomplishment for that type of music to, you know, get to number one even for a few weeks. And the fact that this is the number one song of the year, it's like... Yeah, it just doesn't really mesh with the other songs we've heard. Like a lot, there's a lot of soft ballads. So I guess the, you know, the public wanted to to kind of like balance it out with something like a little bit, you know, in your face. Like this is very, this is like the polar opposite of the previous. So. This was also the month. It was number one during the month when eBay was founded, and the first PlayStation comes. Uh-huh. So. It was also on a soundtrack for another movie I've never heard of, uh, Dangerous Minds. Michelle Pfeiffer. That sounds kind of familiar. Wow. I think I, I, no, I think I never saw it, but I, I remember like the ads for it. That was a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. Yeah. Amish Paradise. Okay. Uh, number one for eight weeks, September 30th, the, the song of the fall, if you will, September 30th to November 18th, Mariah Carey with Fantasy. I fucking love this song so much. I this is my favorite Mariah Carey song. Just I I I I've been the Mariah the Mariah Carey stand of this podcast. I'll proud I'll proudly say because I love a lot of her hits, but this is I think the best. I think it's 
like a perfect like pop song. I think talk about talk about great samples. This is one of the great sample. I don't know if you guys know the sample that the song does. So here I'm gonna find it real quick. Do you know the song Genius of Love by Tom Tom Club? Okay, you may know it. Let me I'm just gonna play a tiny little snippet. You you may know it if you hear. No, not at all. No, I don't know. It sounds cool. I don't know. It's a really cool song. It's it's the 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 side project of um, the bass player and I think the guitarist. Yeah, the guitarist and the bass player from the Docking uh, Heads. Uh, I was going to say there's something funky going on in the background yeah. of that song. It's a super weird, funky, like fun pop song, but yeah, definitely worth checking out. But yeah, I, I the fantasy samples that you know. I don't know if you could hear that now, but. I just like this is such a great song to me. It's such a great pop song. It's so well done. It's super catchy. I I love the song. I thought I, for some reason before you mentioned the sample, I was actually gonna guess that there's like a weird sample from Prince's Kiss. Yeah, uh, there's like yeah. a little uh, background synth that it, it's it's slower, vert, like a slower song, but it, I still heard like some there's some kind of like hook in the synth at the end of some of those measures that I think gives it yeah just gives it that eccentricity that i think is again kind of missing from some of the others other singles yeah i i i, I hear exactly what you're saying the kiss thing definitely uh, i like i didn't like it as much as david but that's probably true every mariah carey song we've listened to <laughs> i for me i no it's good i i like that it's more upbeat and poppy compared to most of the mariah we've heard i, I enjoy the kind of change of pace from her the only thing i didn't love was a lot of the songs she's doing all these vocal runs just in the background and i feel like it it takes away from the catchy melody and and like maybe maybe miss some of the samples you guys are talking about because i i kind of just hear her singing the melody and then at the same time you hear her doing all these like arpeggios in the background and i don't it i some reason it, i feel like it takes something away from it for me just a little bit that's fair yeah big song but Again, Mariah Carey's everywhere at this point. Uh, for one week only, one week, 1995, November 25th. What's happening at that point? Operation Desert Sword ends. I thought it ended like way before. Oh, Toy Story came out. That's cool. First Toy Story came out. So everyone's going to Toy Story and then they're trying to get excited and they're driving and then they hear the song and suddenly they're not that's excited uh exhale shoot shoot by witty houston sometimes you'll laugh sometimes you'll cry life never tells us the winds are wise when you've got friends. I mean, Whitney Houston always has, she's got great vocals going on, but I found the song a little boring. It wasn't my favorite of these types of, I don't know, R&B type, slow jam type songs from the year. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty song. It's 
yeah i i think i agree for the most part it's not my favorite it's pretty it's kind of surprising that's number one honestly i mean this is again from a soundtrack from the waiting to exhale soundtrack which was a pretty successful film uh that she also i was gonna say with all these soundtracks uh being huge it's, I, i'm a little surprised i know it's not the music of the year but i'm a little surprised like randy newman you've got a friend of me didn't come through with the uh well, on the toy story soundtrack doing better maybe not number one but yeah i mean this was on a big movie soundtrack um another baby another baby face song and again i feel like you can hear that between that and uh and uh and uh take a bow you know just the kind of common thread there yeah, it's a pretty song. It's not my favorite Whitney Houston song, but it's fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty much the same opinion. Um, yeah, you have to respect the voice. Um, her voice is, is great, uh, classic. But I, I, I was I was actually going to say, as I was listening to that, the actual, like, the sounds that are used in these songs, a lot of the samples, like, the quality of the drum machines that were used back then, like, a seven like a 16 year old kid on a laptop now could like make something higher quality than that not 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 because they're a genius but because we have access to like much 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 more high def like drum sounds and like for me like as a musician i'm listening to the backing track and i'm just like wow like if i cooked that up like today like i don't even know how, if i could find those sounds you know because like my software is so much more up to date and the other thing i was going to mention is like the the song, like the songwriters back then, I don't know how many songwriters were on a typical song in 95, but I imagine much fewer than today. So like there, you know, I'm sure like for for this song, you might have like one song, like one songwriter, like maybe two. Now there's like 30 songwriters on one song, like, you know, Mac, like making one little clip perfect, you know? And, and so, so I'm just like trying to read, like, I'm trying to keep the sort of hindsight is 2020 thing in perspective here. Cause I'm like, why aren't these songs like constantly catchy? Like sometimes I feel like there's like a drop off in the verse or something. And I'm like, I have to remind myself, like this was like a little bit more like bare bones from what we hear today. Like this is probably only a few minds, like only a few minds are in that room. I think that's really interesting. We're talking about with the, the drum machines. Cause when I listen, I hear, I, I find a lot of the backing beats kind of boring, but I don't really know why. Can you speak a little more? What is what's missing on the drum machines of the era? Well, it's just, it's like it sounds very analog i mean they're working off of probably like synthesizers that had been already been around since the 80s uh versus like for example today like you can download like a plot like a program like logic on your mac on your mac for like 200 bucks and you know their existing library of like drum sounds is higher qual- i would i would i would imagine based on my experience with it is higher quality than what you're hearing in that song uh back then and so i think that's why 90 like 95 is there's a couple of songs there that aren't resonating with me. It's because they don't have the live instrumentation. A lot of times they're going right for like the, the per, like electronic kind of drum sounds, but those sounds are not high def anymore. So like if they had just kept like real drums, I, I would say it might've aged better, but just with a lot of these songs, I'm hearing like such rough, you know, kind of blurry. It's like the equivalent of watching an old movie. Right. And you're like, why is this so kind of like, you know, grainy yeah. and weird. It's like, it's just, it's just a technology question, but I, I still think again, like, you know, uh, the songwriter thing plays a role, but yeah, but I, that's, that's my take on that. What's the, what's the appeal of a drum machine over live 
drumming in general. I mean, even to today, I don't fully understand it because it's not like these artists can't afford, you know, getting studio musicians to drum a backing beat. Well, I think the 80s like created an explosion of like innovation with like with electronic sounds like right like yeah. everyone in the 80s was playing around with the synth like no matter what genre they were in. So I think the 90s just like took that idea and like ran with it um, in the pop world. But, you know, I, but also like sonically, if you're thinking about like electronic drums, they kind of like sit in the mix a little bit better because they're you can like tweak them right a little bit more uh, easily, whereas live drums, I think you know, they're always going to have a little bit of a retro sound. Like it, it, it's not going to cut through the mix as well. Whereas if you put like an electronic, um, you know, drum with a bass, that just like, there's a clear separation sonically in the frequency between those two instruments. I think um, that for whatever reason, like producers, they probably tested this, right. They probably had like focus groups, but yeah. definitely a reason for it. Makes sense. Yeah. So a big part of it is to kind of sound modern. Yeah, you just have to like producers always want to have separation between like the instruments. Like you don't want the vocals like should only take up a certain space. The you know the drums, the bass again. But I think with live drums, it, it can get a little messy. Um, but it's also just a fad. I think at that time, it's not like today where you can like really customize the the tone of the of the beat. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No. It's. I mean. It's. It's definitely an interesting. Like conversation how it started i mean the only thing i know is like yeah that you know you it's kind of obvious at certain points you know in the 80s but and it's definitely kind of part of certain styles and i mean i know that like for some acts you know it's also like to some degree it's like a necessity you know like there's certain mm-hmm. acts that would use that in place of a drummer because it could find a drummer and you know it's like especially i don't know but it, the, there's probably some famous bands i can't think of at this point that use it you know for that reason too but uh well also people started putting music on a grid in the like the mid to late 90s like again like thinking back to like pro tools becoming available in studios like it used to be like you'd have a drummer you'd have a tape deck and you had to like cut like like you know you didn't have pitch correction and then once you had electronic drums like artists started to just like quantize everything so like they would just map the rhythm to a grid so like a lot of these songs like the beat is like perfectly on you know yeah. and and that was like a precursor for like autotune and like other things that are happening now so i think it's just also just you know that satisfaction of like the listener just wants the beat to be like they would almost prefer like a perfect beat i think that's changing now like with artists today but at that point it was like no like let's just you know yeah, be in line with like techno and whatever else yeah. yeah no it's 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 interesting it's, I, and, and with the song i wouldn't have thought of that so um last song in 1995 the i think still at this point the longest running number one song in history oh wow i didn't know that from december 2nd 1995 through sometime in march of 1996 so this is the longest number one song ever and it makes sense because it's combining the two most popular artists, apparently, from the last five years. Boys to Men, Mariah Carey, One Sweet Day. So far away.
off on the chorus again. So I think this is almost a perfect conclusion at this point, because it's like we're taking these elements of the maybe the two biggest artists of the last few years from a billboard perspective. You have Mariah Carey, you have Boys to Men, who can do similar things, you know, great vocalists, you know, big, big R&B ballads, putting them together. You know, it's almost like the perfect, like, you know, I'm sure there's so much that went into this in terms of like the, you know, the producers and the labels, you know, getting this idea together and promoting it. And, you know, and there's probably a huge reason why it's the one of the most successful songs of all time, 16 weeks at number one. Uh, and the chorus is huge. It's a huge chorus that we didn't hear. But um, yeah, not my favorite song. With all that said, yeah, I had no idea it was such a big hit. Actually, I didn't look ahead to the '96 list, but yeah, it makes sense. I think these are the two uh, of the the two artists who have appeared the most in our podcast since '91, uh, and they're together. But like you, it wasn't my favorite. I think I preferred the Boys to Men song over this that we heard earlier, and I think I preferred the Mariah Carey song we heard <laughs> over this. So I don't know. At least for me, the sum was. I always get the expression wrong. The sum was less than the parts. Uh, like sure. I, I think they when I think I prefer that when they're doing their own stuff. I didn't think the I didn't think they added much to each other when they were paired up. Boys to Men and Mariah Carey. Yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to add for this song. I, I I personally thought it's very. It's just like gargantuan, you know, ship that is just it's like moving at a glacial pace and and for me i i just didn't find that to be there's maybe there's i don't know if there's if dynamic is the right word but it doesn't feel like there's enough of that it was also written both of them writing it you know about people in their lives who had died and particularly people who suffered from aids so Maybe, you know, again, this could be also an example of like this connected with people, you know, on a big level that maybe, you know, because of something specific that was more prominent at the time, you know, still prominent now, obviously, but, you know, more of a, you know, I guess, you know, its own pandemic at the time. Uh, but that's interesting. I should have listened to the lyrics more. I, I feel like a lot of times. That- no, but, but, I kind of take all the lyrics. No, but, but I think I think also it's like that's not obvious from the music. It's, you know, like because I think the chorus is a line of like, you know, I know you're looking down on me from heaven. It's like, you know, there's a million songs that have those types of lyrics of like, you know, of, uh, you know, uh, sadness, of hope, of, you know, kind of, you know, emotional stories and stuff like that. You know, so it's not like, ex- I mean, uh, Waterfalls is in my mind like more explicitly about you know like that they specifically mention hiv aids like they're mentioning specific issues in that song so like that is more in my mind like explicitly socially conscious which is not to say like this isn't like you can be more subtle but you know it's also like you wouldn't think of it now i guess as much as like a you know song about that type of thing a pretty song it's just designed to be the number one song mm-hmm. and it was for 
forever. So what about, so overall thoughts on, so we'll get to our top fives. We can just run through them, but like just overall thoughts on 95. I, again, I'll, I'll just repeat by saying like, I think we talked about some patterns here. Like there's the R&B, you know, still kind of dominating throughout. Um, I, 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 I think also just the, you know, gradual influence of hip hop kind of, again, getting more and more into the mainstream. And also, I just think like this has some great like big pop songs that I think more of than previous years. But that's my opinion too. Yeah, I mean, just kind of repeating my take from the beginning too. I mean, I feel like it was a transition year. Uh, it, it felt like you know it was an industry in a time that was kind of like ripe for or uh, for disruption, really, or like some type of innovation, I kind of feel like a lot of the sounds are kind of stuck in this year. And there needed to be some new, like, new people to come in and just like, think about like, okay, how can we just like make this more like candy? Like, how can we make people want? Because I think the problem with my my issue with a lot of the songs that were popular this year is that to me, there's not a lot of repeatability, I don't necessarily want to hear it every day. Uh, Apart from this is how we do it it's sort of like a sometimes dreamy or sometimes chill or sometimes smooth kind of exciting uh, ballad or R&B or swing beat kind of thing, but it doesn't like satiate. It doesn't really satisfy for whatever reason, like compared to the songs of like 96, even like with Backstreet Boys coming out, like I didn't feel like there was that, that sugar rush, that sugar rush wasn't quite there yet. Um, So there's a classic field 95 and it's, it's almost like a fault line. Like I, I would say, again, it's like, Kurt Cobain already died a year ago, but Max Martin and like some of these other people like hadn't really emerged yet. So like, it's almost like we were left with some producers that were kind of using old tricks and like we needed, I think we just like needed new tricks. So I'm like, I, I, I'm kind of like grateful that this, this year had to happen, but I think it like planted the seed for like, you know, that being said, like I did, I hear some beats in here that like Backstreet Boys ended up definitely using. Like, it's not like a completely like pointless here. I just think it's like definitely like planting the seed for the, for the future. Yeah, I don't, I don't have too much that other than it's the first, maybe the first year in four or five years where there wasn't a random uh, reggae song to hit number one at any point. <laughs> um, it does feel like, I mean, it's another, like 94, it's got great hip hop. Um, so that's really kind of blossoming into the mainstream, like we've said. Um, there's no kind of, a lot of, I think every year so far has had like one really like out there random song hit number one by totally outside of genres i can't think of good examples right now well next year we have macarena so <laughs> like yeah like everybody dance now like just something kind of mm-hmm. off the beaten path but this year is everything kind of seemed to fit into a specific genre really i mean definitely hip-hop r&b fusion but there wasn't any kind of totally random stuff that popped up for a while so do we want to get to the top fives yep. all right uh Want to go first? Well, I go. Okay, uh, I'll, just, I'll just get mine. Get mine out. Um, you know, this this was like actually really hard for me to pick because it's so outside of my range of like what I usually listen to. Yeah, yeah. But I think, is. but I think it was fun in that way to like force myself to like think about this. Like, what is what is the most enjoyable song? So I I never heard this song before, but if you love me by Brownstone for me is like far and away the best song, okay. and the reason is because there was something so modern about the groove and I, and I think 
the bass. There's some like really low bass in this with like constant like really fluttery like vocals like just chime in. And to me, like the bass in that song is just so good. And as like a bass player, like like barely a bass player, but like I really appreciate how they use the bass in that. It's so like dark and low. Yeah. And awesome. Yeah, we got to hear this because I I didn't do my research. We're gonna kick you like halfway through. I was trying to hear the bass specifically. I, 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 yeah, it's kind of a cool, bouncy bass. Yeah. I don't know. Something about that, that song. That is cool. I feel like I didn't give it a fair enough listen. I was kind of racing through to listen to everything in time. Was that the hot take you teased before uh, we started recording? No, no. No, <laughs> no I, I, don't, I feel like I already used up all my hot takes. But uh, yeah, like, I, I, and then I think for me, like, second place would be this is how we do it. I, I'm, I'm, I didn't really give it first, mostly because I was maybe I've like heard the song too much. At least in New York, like they would play it at bars like every weekend. So, um, you know, I need to, I need a break from that one. But you know, I'll put it at two. Waterfalls for me, it would be three. Um, and honestly, after that, it got kind of challenging for me because I wanted I kind of I think I think I need to give Dear Mama uh, the fourth spot there by Tupac because sure. I I personally I don't really listen to rap or hip hop at all. But like I think that I shouldn't say that I don't. I'm not like in depth on it, but I think that that song is sort of innovative in the sense that, you know, it's almost like the birth of like emo rap. It's like very vulnerable because you didn't have, I'm not, again, I'm not super familiar with rap at that time, but I would imagine like to, to have a song that's like kind of like more like, you know, in the veins of like an Eminem or a Drake where it's like kind of getting in the emotions a little bit more. It's like, it's like very reflective. It's like sensitive rap. So I kind of appreciate that. Uh, I finally understand for a woman it ain't easy trying to raise a man. You always was committed. A poor single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did it. There's no way I can pay you back. But the plan is to show you that I understand. Yeah, there's such a, there's such an interesting like, I'm 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 not the biggest Tupac fan, but I also haven't done you know as much listening as like other bigger hip hop artists from the period. But it's so interesting how there's such a like spectrum of like the socially conscious side of Tupac, like that song, you know, mm-hmm. very very uh, you know showing his emotions and his family and that that you know, and then there's like you know next year California Love being at the top of the chart, and it's like. I mean, that's, that's not even the best, best example, but, you know, like super, you know, party, like, you know, arguably misogynistic, you know, like, but like, you know, the kind of more like, you know, traditional gangster rap type of stuff mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, there, there's such an interesting contrast there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just think of like today, like Drake has like a couple songs where he's like talking about his mom and the hardship she went through after his parents support, like, and I'm hearing that in this song too. Like this, this was already, this was kind of like, already being done which is kind of cool um and then i mean uh for fifth again like very difficult there's a couple like possibilities but uh, i'm not a i'm not a tom petty fan but i just feel like uh, i gotta give it to him just because of the harmonica so so uh so you don't know how it feels i think would be my fifth now now let me ask right at the bat will do you have that on your list 
That's in my top five. Yeah, that, that's me too. Okay, <laughs> we're all, This is this is the, this is. Uh, I think the second straight year we've each we've all every person has had a Tom Petty song, which is interesting. Even even though even though you said it's not your favorite, it's 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 funny how it's just like, but even you know, people still love his, you know that it, it still manages to you know connect with people in a way. To the point. Let's roll another joint and turn the radio to laugh. I'm too alone to be proud, and you don't know how it feels. It also reminds me of another point that I meant to I, I meant to bring up as an overall. There's way more uh, marijuana references in '95 than any other year we've listened to. I, I think I counted like six or seven songs that so nice. at least. At least mentioned, it. I don't know. I don't know if there's I mean, any rhyme or reason. To it. Yeah, maybe. And it's I did just interesting. And it's like a cross genre, you know, obviously in hip hop and Tom Petty. And I forget there's a third example that I can't think of now. But just let me, to yeah. let me just quickly go through my top five because now that literally everything's been mentioned, <laughs> let me let me just give a quick shout out to one song that I almost put on uh, I Wish by Skilo, uh, which was a song that. I didn't know I didn't know it by the artist or the name, but when I looked it up, I was like, oh yeah, literally. You just knew it by the first like the dots get the fly girls and me, I get the hood rats. I tell them scat, skittles, the bobble. Got hit with a bottle and in a hospital for dark in that mess. I confess it's a shame when you live in a city that's the size of me and her together, right? So when I asked out, she said I wasn't a type. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl with a good, I would call her. Yeah, you know, just a super fun. Song. Yeah, um, I, I missed that one somehow. I, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, that that's definitely would be in my top ten. Yeah. The thing I like about that song, especially, is that you know it goes against the grain of like the bravado of you know hyping yourself up in the song. It's it's yeah. just, it's, just, it's all just talking about his own shortcomings, like which is where do you hear that in a you know hip hop song normally? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so honorable mention, quickly just run through number five, "Kiss from a Rose" by Seal love it uh four this is how we do it montel jordan love it uh three creep tlc love it two you don't know how it feels by tom petty and number one with a bullet is fantasy by mariah carey favorite mariah carey song nice so Uh, we'll have some different things i i I have very little that's different but i got a couple uh, I will say everything you named was on my short list, if not on my top five for both of you, except for the Brownstone song, which I need to give a good listen to. Um, the only ones that were close that didn't make it were Roll to Me, I think is a good song and refreshing because it's so different than I, I feel like I, I know David hated it. I feel like it can be. So if you want to talk the man through, guess who will be I don't hate it. You know, it's just like, it, it's, it's, again, it's everywhere. I feel like everyone knows that song. But. I'm a sucker for, if you give me a good pop song that's under two and a half minutes, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a fan. You know, yeah, it's just so I, compact. I it's that short. I didn't realize yeah. that. Um, what else? I'm the only one almost made my list and it almost made my list uh, in 94 as well. Another one that I think is boosted by the fact that it's so different from the other songs of the year. Yeah. Um, 
I think that's it for my honorable mentions. Top five, Big Papa, nobody mentioned, was my number five. I think it's a great song. That was my uh, one that it interestingly is was huge with my students when I was teaching. So it's got a lot of staying power. Uh, they is that what do you, I don't know like what is that his biggest song I don't think it quite is but but I think it's big enough that yeah like it doesn't surprise me that like you know you're saying you're like your students I think actually my fifth for a while and then I just put it in six but only because I didn't want to like I, I don't like listen to it on my own time but every time I go out or I used to go out like to a club or something I really felt like when that song came on it it was the energy always went up and so I think that that deserves some credit uh number four another new one turn the beat around I I like Laura Estefan and I this song, I, I didn't expect it to be top five, but when I listened, it's like, man, this is just so infectiously fun. Like, I love this I, song. I, I, I thought of that for a while because I agree. It's a... But it's not the original. Do you know that? No, I didn't actually. What's the original? Here, here's the original. It's from the 70s, Vicky Sue Robinson. And I feel like you could have told me that either of those was the original, and I would have believed you until I learned that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. That it's so kind of disco. It makes sense that there's a version right. from that. If I had known that, it probably wouldn't have cracked my top five. Because, But it's it's a fun fucking song. Oh, it's great. But I feel like the original is very similar. Oh, it's, it's they're, they're pretty much... I mean... Yeah, I always downgrade you covers much, unless like, they really... There's not that much to that you can really do with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how are you going to change that? Like, uh, Number two, Gangsta's Paradise. And then number one, I surprised nobody said it. I love this song. I got five on it is my number one song. It's one of my, I just love this song a lot. Now, all right, let me, yeah. You missed the chorus, which is so good. Yeah. Well, and this the whole song. No, that 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 how much did because maybe this is my interpret misinterpretation of things, but like how much like the fact that it was so prominent in us was that a big deal in terms of like how you feel about the song or, or, or is that, that in us language? see okay so so you answered i that. totally didn't don't remember it from us yeah it was in the trailer it was like a heat like a slightly oh, really? darker version of it is in the trailer it was like a prominent thing oh i need to re-listen to that then but i might I don't be wrong because to me like for whatever reason i just remember that being the trailer and like hearing people talking about the trailer everywhere 
and like how much the song worked for it and like to me like in my head i thought it had some like huge renaissance because of the movie but i might be wrong like oh i don't it's possible because i do feel like i've heard it more recently but i totally missed or forgot that it was but it is still like around like it's still a huge like a big well-known song so yeah i i was thinking that i feel like it's another one that's had lasted way longer than you might expect but I, I i don't know i just think it's a great song and i feel like when i listened to it it was another one that was like um kiss from a rose where there was a lot more to it than i remembered like i just kind of remembered the chorus but then when i was listening to the song construction was interesting it's like they kind of tease the chorus at the beginning like they like have it just playing in the background a bit behind the rap and then they don't actually bring it out until like almost two minutes into the song so i think it's like they realized they had this great chorus and they kind of used it well where they they didn't just, you know, repeat it over and over again. Yeah. It sounds like a sample, but it's not. Yeah, it sounds surprisingly modern, too. I mean, apart from some of the bells are a little uh, uh, outdated, but, yeah, I think the vibe is pretty good. It's got sting power. Mm-hmm. All right, so any last thoughts before we wrap it up? So this is, I I, I think this is good because we we've all, I feel like this is maybe where we've, all divided to some degree, but also some overlap. But Tom also, Petty brings us all together. Tom Petty, <laughs> Tom Petty, Tom Petty, and Montel Jordan bring yeah. us. Yeah, who would have thought for '95? Cool. Well, that was another episode. Thank you, Evan, for joining us. This was fun. Yeah, listen to his and, it was, and it was good to get some like actual Thanks. like musical perspective on it. No, I, I I really had fun on this one. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. Um, yeah, d- definitely. I'll, I'm going to keep listening through this playlist, and I'll probably find some other uh, some top songs. But uh, maybe, yeah, we, maybe we, we could give you a second chance. Maybe when we get to the 2000s at some point. I need. Yeah, I think I need to wait <laughs> years. <laughs> once, once, we'll all be more familiar. That's the thing. It'll be like yeah, we'll be really be able to get into those deep like songs discuss our Backstreet Boys for NSYNC rivalries yeah. you felt very <laughs> it only becomes more familiar the more the more time we take yeah exactly Evan do you have any idea when uh the tucked in album's coming out or still too early uh yeah it's gonna it's it's a pretty long project it's like gonna be a full album though um you know it's like we're gonna have like a single releasing hopefully in the next like few months but for expert lovers like we're releasing a song every six weeks or so that's like my that's like my goal is like constantly release stuff and see what sticks so we're actually releasing a new song on friday so wow uh, I'm always like filming, like mu- I, I do like little music videos, like you know, ten second, twenty second videos on Instagram that I post, and um, honestly, it's just fun. It's just like so much fun to like you know try to make it a multimedia experience. It's not just about the music anymore. It's like you got to make like a funny like slow mo video, and you know, I had my friend dress up as a nurse yesterday for it, so <laughs> so it, it should be interesting. That's really cool. You just got to get all your fans to listen to the podcast as a, as a way to, to discover what led to what some of your influences, some of your favorite songs from back in the day that they might hear. Enough. Yeah. We, could, songs we could, we could, or, we could orchestrate something, you know, we could, we could do like premieres of your songs and show, you know, get there to like, you know, five new people. Yeah. <laughs> world, world, we got to put that MTV thing. They used to have the world premiere sticker. The world like, premiere. <laughs> Basically, just like Will and I's friends. <laughs> I mean, no, man, this, thing, this is gonna blow up. I'm, I'm, I'm confident this is gonna blow up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna post, I'm gonna post this by the way once it comes out on uh, 
on my stories because yeah. I, I i like really I, I need people to yeah i need people to go back back in time like this this is fun cool all right well 1995 is over. Whoa, don't slip up or get caught. Why not, man? I'm coming for that number one spot. All right. Rappers swearing they 